1: Dear friends of Christ, today we look at a a book in the Bible we don't often read from or preach from, Joshua in the fourth chapter. You know, human beings, we like to remember things, right? Special things. And we do so in remarkably creative ways. Americans are no different than the rest of the world, really. Just think of the memorials in Washington, D.C. alone. Former presidents Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and George Washington. There are monuments, statues. There are also even towers. Wars and the soldiers who died in those wars are also remembered. And there's monuments for World War II, the Korean conflict, and also the Vietnam War there in Washington. And elsewhere in the country, there are also remembrances. There are those that are found in Pearl Harbor, the Oklahoma City bombing, and 9-11. We've built these memorials so that we would never forget. In addition to building buildings, we've also set aside special days To remember someone who meant a lot to us and to our collective experience as Americans. Presidents Washington and Lincoln, we celebrate a day in February. For Martin Luther King Jr., we have a January holiday. In July, we know that we celebrate our independence. And in November, we remember our veterans. And so we come to Memorial Day, which will be tomorrow a day to remember. In the little village of Victory in New York, there's a memorial that's called the Saratoga Monument. And it celebrates the decisive win by the Americans over the British in a 1777 battle of Saratoga during the American Revolutionary War. And it's interesting to notice that above the doors in the archways about those four sides are the four commanders of the American army that fought and led our people. Three of them contain statues, but one of them is left empty. And this was of the most valiant and and, and critical leader in the conflict. That commander was Benedict Arnold, And as we know, he had defected over to the British side. The monument, you know, it's really a majestic tower of over 155 feet. And work on it has started 100 years later after the battle. And there's a staircase that visitors can go up to that's almost 200 stairs in the height there. And they can see beautiful views of the surrounding countryside. Well, there's a man named Stan Purdom, and he had lived in nearby Saratoga Springs during his teen years. And he and his friends used to take their bikes and take rides to the monument. And more than once, Stan got up all those stairs. And his family moved to another state while he was still in his teen years. Several years ago, he took a vacation with his wife and kids, and they were going to New England, and he detoured to show them this Saratoga Monument. And he was looking forward to revisiting his boyhood spot, especially since none of his family members had seen it besides him. It was a hot day when they arrived there, and the motorhome that they were traveling in uh, early in that journey, uh, the air conditioning had quit. So they were hot, tired, sweaty from long hours of travel, and the kids were seated in the the back of the vehicle there playing cards, and. When their dad urged them to go see the tower, they merely glanced out at the window and they they said something about, it's just another monument. They kept playing cards. And his wife, she urged Stan to go and take a look and she stayed in the vehicle with the cards. She was more concerned about getting to the, the camp that night and to hopefully find perhaps a swimming pool that the kids could swim in. Well, somewhat disappointed... Pernam says that he, he walked up to that massive structure, consoling himself with the knowledge that at least he'd be able to climb that staircase and see that surrounding countryside. Well, when he got there, he found the door was locked. In fact, that tower had been closed down just minutes before the family got there. And driving away, Purnham thought about how no one in his family, you know, how they had looked at the monument or even the memories that recalled. They just didn't think it was important. To the kids, it was just another pile of stones like others they'd seen. To his wife, it was an interruption in getting the family settled for the night. And to Purdom himself, the monument did not stand for those brave soldiers who died in 1777, but it was just a remembrance of happy times that he had as a kid. You know, if those who had built the monument had asked Pernam and his family members what that monument meant to them, those people would have been disappointed in their answers. But this is what tends to happen to monuments. They become detached over time from the events that really meant for them. If you consider even Memorial Day, you know, it's a day to remember fallen servicemen and women who gave their lives in serving their country. And yet, for many of us, you know, it's a, a, a day off of work, perhaps. It's a holiday. And each year, the many crowds that gather at the cemeteries and other memorial sites, those crowds get a little smaller each year. Take a look at Joshua chapter 4 with me. It says, Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. And each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. And in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. The people of Israel were on their final leg of a journey. You know, after they had fled Egypt and slavery there, they're just about the promised land. And one final barrier was in front of them, and that was the Jordan River. God had instructed Joshua to send those priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant into the river. And as soon as their feet would touch the river, the waters would be parted. Obviously not as big as the uh, you know, Red Sea itself when it happened with Moses and the people, but yet still a miracle again by God. And the whole nation of Israel would be able to cross over on a dry riverbed. That was an event that was worth having a memorial. We know that as a result, God had told Joshua to have one man from each of those twelve tribes take a stone from the riverbed and you know, carry it onto the riverbank on that new territory, and then Joshua set up those twelve stones as a memorial, as a monument, and it was to commemorate God's intervention as He parted the river for them. It's important to remember. You now, Joshua. His closing words were, These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Oh sure, a memorial forever. Like that's going to happen. We know today that we can't find those stones over there. And perhaps predictably, later generations of Israelites did not always care about the things that were symbols of their ancestors' monuments. And like Purdom and his family, you know, fewer people were asking, what do these stones mean? The same trend really continues today with our memorials as new generations come along. And since they weren't a part of the events and also the factors that were so important to their parents and their grandparents' generation, you know, it's not surprising that younger people do not give the same value to those things. That certainly became a problem for Israel too. Despite the various monuments that the people of one generation had erected, the next generation was less interested in what those stones represented. Joshua may have hoped for many generations to ask, what do these stones mean? But in fact, many did not bother. In fact, one of God's chief charges against the people of Israel was that they forgot about him, as he states later in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Now, before we get down on them for their failure to remember, you know, let's acknowledge that it's probably not even reasonable to expect something that commemorates a value or an event for one generation to have the same impact on later generations who weren't probably even born when that event happened. Still, by ignoring history, though, we know that we can lose the benefits of learning from the past, even as we had stated in that confession earlier. You know, we gain from knowing what we as a people of this earth have gone through. And also for us Christians, what we as people of faith have gone through, through the years. As a student once said, without knowing history, we are doomed to repeating the mistakes of the past. Without knowing history, we are doomed to repeating the mistakes of the past. But here's a key insight. You know, the meaning of past events can't be quite the same for us as those who live through them. So our job is not to force Our children to bow at our memorials that we may create, but what we can do is to help them understand why they have meaning for us. We can help them see our piles of stone, both literal and and even figurative ones, as if not memorials, at least milestones on the journey of humankind. In other words, when we build a memorial, you know whether it's uh, intentional or not we can think of what it will mean for the current generation and for the generations to come. For example, you know, here are some things that a memorial can do. For the generation that was there and for those that come later, a memorial can celebrate heroic or happy events and can mourn tragic ones. You know, Israel's 12 stones to that current generation showed that God had helped them And he had guided them. Well, as a a milestone to the next generation, it witnesses that people earlier were helped. And that those in those later generations, they can understand that God is there to help and to guide them, too. A memorial can be reminding those who lived through the event of the terrible cost of war. As a milestone... It can cause later generations to do all that is possible to avoid bloodshed and to find peace as the greatest way to continue in the world. A memorial, it can promote healing for the people who were there or had loved ones there also. Think about that Vietnam War Memorial for the veterans or the Oklahoma City Memorial that had all those chairs of the young children in the daycare who were killed. As milestones, it can help people deal with emotional pain and to have the strength to continue to carry on and live. Finally, a memorial can help the immediate generation realize that something significant happened that called for courage and sacrifice. It can also, as a milestone, communicate to each age that there will be significant things that call for courage and sacrifice and one particular memorial that should never be forgotten is this you know it's not limited to only being seen as a monument and it's rare that you have to describe to someone else who was responsible for that particular remembrance just last night saw on the news about the coptic Christians. Coptic means Egyptian. But those who were the twenty six were killed on a bus uh, on Friday. And it it really hit home because a Tinley Park man, his wife, two sons, and a grandchild and other family members were on that bus. And they all died except for his wife. And most and Marcos and his wife, they were members down at St. George. Coptic Orthodox Church down in Moni. Many sacrificed their lives for the flag, a symbol of our country. These were people who sacrificed for the symbol of the cross and what it means, as they were told to give up their Christianity and turn to Islam, as these ISIS terrorists had attacked that bus. And they said they would not leave Christianity. And as a result, they were killed for their faith. But that's what that cross meant so much to them. The cross of Jesus Christ will never disappear. We know that some memorials speak to our freedom as citizens. But this cross tells of our freedom from sin and death and the power of the devil. We know that it has a definite impact because it tells us of Christ's death and resurrection. And because of that, we are forgiven. We have eternal life that awaits us and all who believe in the, what the cross stands for. And that is Jesus Christ. There are joyful reasons for that cross, too. And today we celebrate another addition to the family of God through the waters of baptism. If you remember, it was 488 years ago that Martin Luther, when he wrote his small catechism, he also reminded us to daily make the sign of the cross in remembrance of our baptism. And also as we live each day as that new creation in Christ that we are. Monument builders, they don't have the power to force others to honor these monuments themselves. But they can help them to understand the milestone implications of what they stand for. As believers in Christ, we are always able to share the good news that Jesus has not only died, but that he is alive, and our ascended Lord will return someday as he has promised. That's what makes the cross so unique compared to any other type of monument or symbol. And that's what makes it important to remember. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior. Amen.